What's up, family? How we doing? All right, all right, all right. So uh, like Pastor Ben said, you guys are excited about Easter. I'm telling you, this is a season of miracles. Um, just God is all about it. So uh, we're believing with you guys. And that's the reason why we're taking communion, because it allows us to remember what Jesus Christ paid for. And um, hey, it could be a miracle for you. It could be a miracle for your family. Um, but this is a season where God really wants to do something incredible. God loves to do this. Listen up. God loves to demonstrate himself to you and through you. All right? I'm going to say that again. God wants to demonstrate. He loves to demonstrate himself to you and through you. So the miracle, listen to me, the miracle might operate through you. Yeah. So if you got a family member that doesn't know Jesus, this can be a season, all right, where you've kind of been like this a little bit, maybe just praying. This could be a time where, you know, he gives you the right words. Are you with me? to talk to that family member because remember right he goes before you so he's talking to people he's, he's ministering to them in their dreams he's prepping the ground and then sometimes he'll ask us hey i want you to step out right here and a miracle begins to take place so i say that so that we're listening and putting ourselves in a position so god can speak to us like i said he wants to do a miracle to you but he also wants to do one through you does that sound good Amen. So, hey, guys, we are on a um, three-part message series called It Is Finished. And I'm going to go and ask you to get your message notes out because I know everyone takes very diligent notes, right? Very diligent notes. And uh, we're on part two. And I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture in John 19. And this is our text that we're going to use um, throughout the series. So this is Jesus on the cross here. And he says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine. They put it on hyssop, put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit, or he gave up his life. So the, the heart of our message series over these three weeks is to try to capture some of the big things that Jesus paid for. So when he said it is finished, um, he finalized things for us. And there's things that's established up in heaven that Jesus paid for that God is asking us to establish here inside of the earth. And so when Jesus was saying it is finished, he says, listen, we're, I'm accomplishing all this for you, but there's going to be some things that's reserved for you, and we're going to need to know them, and we're going to have to go after them. Are you with me? So last week we talked about healing, all right? Jesus paid for us to go to heaven. Praise God. Amen, right? Yeah. Hey, listen, on your worst day ever, you can just think about this. Meditate on your salvation, that you are actually going to live forever in a place where there's no pain, all right? N none of us can even begin to imagine how great heaven is. And to be honest, the Bible doesn't talk a whole lot about heaven. And the reason why is because God wants us focused in the earth to get people to come to heaven. That's what we're going to talk about today. But Jesus paid for so much, and he paid for us to have healing on the earth. Hey, listen, he is a good father that loves you. And he did die so that we could go to heaven, but he also died so that you could have a good quality life on the earth. Unfortunately, because of Adam, the very first person, it says sin entered into this world. And when sin entered into this world, it says death spread. 
So it's not God allowing things. He just says in this world, this world is decaying. But when I came and I conquered death, I gave provision. So when he said it is finished, I gave provision for every single person. Watch this. Not even a, not just a child of God, but also those who don't know Jesus. Let me say that again. So when it comes to healing, somebody doesn't have to be saved to know Jesus. The church used to think that way back in the dark ages. They used to think that you had to be saved or you had to have a, a relationship with Jesus to receive the benefits no, God wants you to have the benefits as his child, but God wants you to release those benefits to those who don't know him so that they will see that he is good. Are you with me? And healing is not just for your body, but praise God it is, okay? Yeah, if you got a knee issue that's going on, he, won't, he cares about that, all right? If you got something that lingers inside of your body, Jesus cares about that. But you know what? Most people deal with internal issues, internal all right, trauma, things that's happened on the inside, and Jesus paid for that. And really, it is this simple. It is as simple as just asking him. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's forgiveness. Lord, I, I release this person, and you receive healing inside, and Jesus begins to do a work inside your life. Are you with me? God wants us to live inside of a place of health internally, externally, and he wants us to have a good life. So let me, let me uh, wrap it up and I'll move forward. So think with me for a minute, okay? Where do you get the good qualities that you have? That you see somebody hurting, that you want to help them. If you got kids, how you would always protect those kids. Um, th those good qualities that you have come from God. Are you with me? He is so good. And the greatest parable is us, okay? You are something that demonstrates a, a reality in heaven, and you demonstrate it here inside of the earth, okay? So I say that sometimes when we complicate theology. We complicate it. You know, yeah, but, and you know what I mean? And we start, you know, we, we got experiences, all of us, you know, we got sometimes where we feel like we've been let down. But just remember, where does that goodness come from? And God is so much better than our best day, okay? Amen? So if you, if, you, if you need healing for your, your body or someone in your family or if something's going on, um, I even believe that today, even as I preach, that the Spirit of God's going to fall on you and begin to do a work inside of your life today in the name of Jesus. So um, healing, today I want to talk about your dreams. This is something that Jesus Christ paid for with his blood. When Jesus said, it is finished, he, um, he paid for everything, but one of the biggest pieces of your inheritance, one of the biggest pieces that he was willing to go to the cross for was so that you would actually have an incredible calling, a purpose, an impact inside this earth. All right? Are you with me? It really it trips me out when I think about God, and um, I'm going to use this word, the enormity of God. Scripture talks about before you were ever born, it says that God chose you. Matter of fact, it says it this way in Ephesians. I don't have this on my notes. It says, but in Ephesians 1, it says, before there was a foundation of the world, it says, he looked at you and chose you. He saw down through time. Time's not even created yet. I'm going to bring the scripture up in a minute. Time's not even created. The worlds are not created. And God actually looks and he says, I chose you. You're special. Are you with me? It shows the largeness of God. And the reason why I'm, I'm saying this is because the plan that he has for you is that big. 
There's nobody in the kingdom that has a small purpose, a small destiny, or a small calling. What we have to do is we got to get rid of our small thinking and begin to think about the largeness of God and how he thought about you before there was ever a world and how he sat down and began to plan your life. Come on, somebody. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it'll be up on the screen. It says, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. This is not based on what you do, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. When was it given to you? Wow. So when was that? When did time begin? So before there was ever a world, God sat down. He says, I chose you. And before I made a world and even begin to release the dimension of time, I thought about a plan, a very powerful plan. I gave you gifts. I gave you talents. Is that like mind boggling to think that God is this big, that he's bigger than not just the earth, not just the Milky Way, but all of the universe itself. God is bigger than all of that. And he thought about you. Very intimate, very detailed God to look at you and say, I chose you. And I sat down and I made a plan for your life. Are you with me? The bad thing is, is that when God made man and put him inside of the earth and man messed everything up, this is what Jesus was saying when he said, it is finished. Yes, Adam messed it up, but I came to fix it. And when I came to fix it, I'm going to actually write you inside of the plan to begin to actually work out what I fixed. Notice what it says there. It's not according to your works. Because before time began, God knew we would mess up. Come on, somebody. God knew we would drop the ball over and over again. And he still chose us. Are you with me? Man, I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me. Say, listen, this is where we all get hung up right here. Watch this. We feel like, all right, for one, either we don't have the right education. We don't have the right background. We don't have this, this, or this. To do something great. God says, before you ever even was born, I sat down and planned your life. Are you with me? Before you ever made a mistake, I chose you as my rock star. You are my five-star athlete. You are the one I chose. Come on, somebody. So, look, let me give you an illustration, all right? So, uh, how many people, uh, I I like to see the people in Scripture that make a lot of mistakes, all right? Because I identify with them. Like Peter. So it's crazy when you think about this, okay? Jesus chooses this guy, Peter. And he didn't choose him based on his intelligence. It really trips me out because later God would choose Paul. And Paul was a guy that was killing people and he still chose him. Before the foundation of the world, you saw the scripture, right? Before time began, God chose Paul. Paul's actually the one that wrote that in 2 Timothy. God sends Paul to the people who were not educated. God sends Peter to the ones who were educated. Peter didn't have any education. So so let let me pause for a minute. Your background, your pedigree, your resume, your education, your money, all that, that does not, all right, impress God. What impresses God is your yes. The yes in your heart to follow him and to go in the direction that he asked because it might not be in the area of your expertise. (laughs) 
Like, we might not be qualified. That's why scripture says that he's the one that qualifies you. Man, if we could just get this, well, you know what it does? It gives me a great exhale. (sighs) Man, that's a relief. And you know what? You might not be the greatest at what he calls you to. But when you stand before him, you can say, I said yes, and I followed you to the best of my ability to lead and go after it with you. Do you see what I'm saying? You guys okay this morning? So with Peter, God chose Peter, and it's very interesting that Peter walked with Jesus. And the reason why I chose him to discuss him this morning is because when it comes to your dreams and it comes to the things that we have, we feel like sometimes our dreams have died. This is a season of resurrection. This is a season of miracles. And one of the greatest resurrections and one of the greatest miracles that you can receive is that when God begins to breathe on the dream that he's got for your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Think with me for a minute. Peter denied Jesus three times. Did he not know he was going to do that? He even tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. There's no way, Lord. I'll go and die for you. Peter wasn't at the cross. There was only one guy at the cross, and it was John. And the rest of them was women. Come on, come on, ladies. Yeah, it was ladies. One dude and the rest was ladies at the cross. Peter didn't show up at the cross. Do you hear what I'm saying? All the mistakes that we've made, even inside of our own mind, our feeling of insufficiency, none of that stops the plan of God. He just needs your yes. That's what he needs, and it's an ongoing yes. It's like when Jesus said this right before he went to the cross, and he was in the garden, and he said, Father, not my will, your will. I'm giving you my yes, but he did that throughout his life. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? This is like the entry point to begin to open yourself up so God can begin to breathe inside of you and do something incredible inside of your life. Even if you like to drive, (laughs) you know, he might say, hey, you know what? Hey, you got to get up in the passenger seat. Yeah, yeah, but I like to drive. Are you with me? (laughs) Y'all making me work this morning. (laughs) Yes, he, he needs our yes. And I think Peter's a great illustration of regardless of anything that we have ever done in life. You know, Peter even says this in his, uh, one of his first letters. And um, you can throw it up on the screen. It's 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter talks about the inheritance of God. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. All right, we have received him. We're born again. We're changed on the inside because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. We have a priceless inheritance. When he said it is finished... He says, I'm paying for your inheritance. Peter goes on to say that this is kept inside of heaven for you. All right? And like I said, it begins with saying, Lord, yes. Yes. See, the thing about Scripture is, as God says, you know, I could say something to somebody around me and not really mean it in my heart. But God says, I know the intimate part of you. And when you tell me yes on the inside, it unlocks The inheritance, what Peter would go on to say, this inheritance in heaven. And the greatest peace might be your destiny. That might be the greatest peace. 
This is something I, I believe with all my heart. Our greatest day is not when, you know, something great happens to us. Our greatest day is when we see something great happen through us. Okay? When we see life change happen with somebody around us that does something to you, that radically alters you on the inside, I feel like this becomes a shift to where there's not a plan B and you begin to move into a new place with him relationally, but also you just move into a new place inside of the kingdom. There's gifts, there's talents that God has given you. God is an, a creator. He's a designer, all right? So he has created you and he's designed you in this incredible way. And a lot of times it's tucked away on the inside. And even you could have multiple gifts and you could have multiple talents and all these things. But what happens is that it begins with a yes. It begins as I begin to step out, all right? And allow God to begin to use me. And from that, you begin to see some of the greatness that's on the inside of you. Are you with me? Let me pause for a minute. Let me just talk about our city. All right. Uh, my wife and myself, were not from Tampa. We planted this church uh, September 19th of last year. And um, I'm from Jacksonville. She's from Lakeland. We had an incredible team. We were living in Birmingham. But we had an incredible team that said yes to God. So many sold their homes and they moved from Birmingham, and they moved down here, and the team has begun to grow um, with people here from Tampa, but we came here because this city is so big, and there are lots of churches here, all right, but you know what? There's lots of people here. There are lots of people here, and you can just look around, and you can walk around, and you can see people who are lost that don't know Jesus. Are you with me? And our vision here for City of God is God's family pursuing God's kingdom, and this is what it's about. This is when you get down to a very tactical level. That might be the vision. That's where we're going. But what I need from you is I need you to know what God has inside you. It's easy for you to come alongside when you begin to know what God has in you. Do you hear what I'm saying? And it begins with that yes. And even if you had said yes, continue to say that to him. Lord, I'm telling you, I give you my life afresh today. I hold nothing back. And you say that from your heart. And something happens inside you. All right? You begin to encounter the Lord's presence in a different way. You encounter his voice in a different way. Scripture opens up in a different way. You see people in a different way. Life becomes more of an opportunity. You see what I'm saying? Instead of being so task-oriented when I'm moving around in life. And I'm that way. My wife tells me to go to Publix. I'm business. In, out. You know, and I have to tell myself, all these people in here, how many know the Lord? What person could I just encourage today? I'm not trying to beat nobody over the head with the Bible, but who could I encourage? Who could I love on? Do you see what I'm saying? And who knows what God continues to unlock on the inside of you, unlock on the inside of me. All right? So I really believe that it begins with a yes. <coughs> Excuse me. It begins with a yes. And um, I'm going to talk about a couple points on the backside of the message. But there's another key piece that I believe um, that will help us. And so when Jesus is about to leave the earth, this is the last week he's on the earth now. And um, he goes into the temple twice and he cleanses the temple two times. In John chapter 2, and he does it as well in Mark chapter 11. And he does it the last week while he's on the earth. And um, so when he goes into the temple, this is very interesting to me. He goes in, he looks around, and then he leaves, and he comes back the next day. And he begins to drive out 
um, the money changers, and he begins to do these things. Don't y'all love that side of Jesus? I love that side of Jesus. So when I, like, lose my temper or get upset, I go, I'm just being like Jesus. <laughs> Don't y'all take the scriptures literally? All right? I always tell you guys, this is where I purge, all right? This is where I repent, all right, when I'm up here. So Jesus, um, he shows a side of himself. Well, watch this. He, he, listen to me. He wants there to be a place inside where there's not a lot of clutter. So two things happen here. He says, my house should be called a house of prayer. That becomes key when it comes to me understanding direction for my life. But watch this. All of us pray. All of us talk to God in some form. Maybe it's not prayers the problem. Maybe the problem could be clutter. Are you with me? He cleanses the temple and says, my house should be called a house of prayer. So before the great works begin to happen, he actually had to remove some of the clutter. Come on now. So this is just me giving you a little bit of uh, frontside teaching, all right, before I get to the backside points. So I want you to hear me on this. Clutter can be things that aren't sin at all. Okay? All right? Where's my phone? Could this be clutter? Huh? Does everybody's pop on Sunday and tell you your screen time? Or is that just mine? On Sunday, it tells you your screen time? It's interesting because, like, I'm back there in prayer this morning. It's like my screen time was, you know, kind of gives you a revelation. Wow, I was that much FaceTime on the phone. But there are things in our life that could be clutter that might not be a sin at all, okay? And one thing God does not do is God is not a dictator. God doesn't put his thumb on us. God is never hard. He's never harsh. It's not his personality. It's not his character. God will gently begin to say, hey, why don't you try this? Are you with me? His goal is to get you in your sweet spot. That's his goal, okay? Inside of your sweet spot, you and him are communing at this incredible level, but you are being used as his son or as his daughter. And you are shining because he calls you the light of the world. You're shining. And he says, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And in Isaiah 60, when he says this, he says, I'll draw all people to you. I'll draw. Are you hearing me? He wants you to have the mic. He wants you to have it. He wants you to have the stage. That false humility is not inside of the kingdom. God says, no, I saved you for this, for a holy calling Something huge that I planned for your life. And I want to lift you up. And I want to put you in front of everybody. And sometimes the biggest hiccup is just a clutter. It might just be a season where, you know what I mean? It's summertime. We don't wear as many clothes. You take a few things off. All right? It could be something that's not a sin. It could be something that you know. All right? That you kind of keep going around the same mountain. Man, I got to quit doing this. Ask the Lord. This is a season of miracles. Miracles can be a breakthrough when I keep struggling with something. And scripture says this in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And it talks about your destiny. All right. It says lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and run your race. Run your race. So some stuff can just be a weight and some stuff can be something that's holding you back that you could be struggling with, but this is a season of miracles. Are you with me? 
You guys good? Okay. Can I get an amen across the place? Amen. All right. All right. Okay. I'm going to try to figure out my sides here. Okay. Got the Pentecostal side. Got the Baptist side over here. <laughs> Got the Reserve Baptist side over here. Hey, I was saved in the Baptist church. <laughs> All right. I'm going to mess with you, okay? So like I said, Jesus loves us so much, and he never, you know, he's never going to be harsh with us. He's going to encourage us, and um, his goal is to see his kids uh, be used by him in a mighty way. So let's wrap this up. I got two points today, and uh, let's use the term keys instead, all right? Two keys. So in Matthew 16, when Jesus was talking about building his church or building you, all right? He says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, okay? So these would be two keys, I believe. The first one is connection. In John chapter 15, verse 6, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He would go on to say later in that passage, he says, "Uh, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. One of the greatest places of fruit that we walk inside of and it's intimacy with God, okay? God has designed you to be intimate with him. We'll talk a little bit more next week, you know, in the resurrection about relationship and about his voice, but I want you to hear me on this. Scripture says this, that you are his, his sheep, and you hear his voice, and you know his voice, all right? One of the most radical things that we can walk inside of is a confidence inside of his voice and the way that looks is I stay connected to him all right I stay connected to him if I'm I'm going to spend time in the word I'm going to spend time in prayer but watch this I'm also going to stay connected with other people who are on fire for him I think that is paramount the thing that changed my life is another person that God sent to my life to begin to speak inside of my life that redirected me inside of the calling that God had for me I had no clue and he didn't say, how would you call to preach? He just said, you have been called by God to be a leader. That's what he said, a leader, all right? But it was, a, it was a divine connection. It was a relationship that God used, someone who spoke inside of my heart. So I really want to encourage you in this time, all right, in this season right here, is to be connected to Jesus, of course, but also be connected to the body of Christ, all right, that's a scripture that I have in my notes. Um, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, you're the body of Christ and you're members individually. And that, that passage is like in the middle of the chapter. And the first part deals with the giftings of God. And the last part deals with callings. But the middle is the body. Let me say it another way. The middle is the infrastructure which helps you with your gifts and helps you with your calling. Are you with me? Like in my life, in my journey, God used a person to direct me into my calling. He used a person to direct me into my giftings. So it's imperative that we stay connected. And the way that we stay connected is we stay humble. All right? Be humble. It could be someone younger than you. Um, It could be someone that, you know, I've had someone say this about me, that uh, I would have never thought God would use you. Um, They kind of joked around about the package. (laughs) You know, they just didn't think it would be me. You've heard the, uh, whatever it is, I, I forget the, you, you, don't, you don't judge a book by its cover, okay? Because you don't know the gifting. 
that God has for you. All right. The second one is motion. This is so big because a uh, um, powerful man of God that um, I got to be part of his church up in Birmingham, Alabama says you can't steer a ship unless it's moving. You can't steer a ship unless it's moving. Motion becomes critical. All right. We are people that are called believers. And a believer is an action word. All right. It's a verb in the kingdom. God calls you to always be in motion. In James chapter 2, verse 18, it says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So all around us, there are people that are hurting. All right. You might not know where you're called. Okay. You might not even know some of your giftings. One of the things that we can always do is we can always help somebody. All right, there was this lady named Corey Ten Boom. Anybody ever heard of her? Raise your hand. A few people. Um, but she helped so many uh, Jewish people that were being killed um, during World War II. And she, she hit them. And she had a place in her home. I mean, obviously, she could have got killed for this, but she took food. She just helped. She demonstrated this scripture right here by helping people in a time of, of massive crisis. I'm going to tell you something right now, even though we're getting out of this pandemic, um, there are people that are hurting all around. There are people that are hurting inside. There are people hurting outside. And all you got to do is just ask the Lord, who, who can I help? Seriously, ask him who you can help. I and mean, we go feed the homeless every week. You know, you could jump in with us. Uh, we have a ministry with coming against human trafficking. There's always ways to help. But watch this. You can't steer a ship unless it's moving. All right, you are the ship, and this is what God's called you to do. God's called you to have a great wake. All right, that's that wave that comes off the boat, a great wake. All right, and God wants you to have a big boat, and it begins always with small things. He says, Don't despise the day of small beginnings in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. All right, so I really want to encourage you with these two things to be connected. All right. This is a season where Jesus wants to encounter you in a very radical way. And he wants to highlight someone around you right now that you can help. Excuse me. That someone that can help you. And part of connection also is someone that you can help. And God wants us moving. All right. And I believe these two keys right here can help us when it comes to the greatness that God has called you to. So guys, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand. So earlier I mentioned a yes inside of your heart. So today with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've come in here today and you've never made that first yes in your heart to Jesus, that means you don't know. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you was to die today, you don't know if you would go to heaven. This is the greatest yes that I can give. I ask Jesus to come into my heart and begin a personal relationship with him. If you're in here today, I'm not going to call you up, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Come on, raise it high for me. All right. Thank you, Jesus. I 
saw a couple hands. So I'm going to ask everybody in the church to pray this prayer with me out loud. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sin and I receive you as my Savior. Help me on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate, everybody.